to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We're here to discuss the journeys of women in the food industry. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. It's so good to see your face, Sarah. Yeah, I missed you. We haven't had a show for a few weeks. I know. We have to remember if we know how to do all this stuff. Take a break. (laughs) Did you have a good break? Yeah. Quiet, restful kind of rainy cold you know winter stuff yeah do you think it's gonna snow by the way i mean (laughs) fingers crossed i just don't want it to snow next friday because i'm flying down to the fancy food show oh yeah i'm coming with you except for at least saturday okay so it's a big deal we have people driving down there and all that stuff yeah i know i was worried about because almost everyone is driving you and i are flying but Mm -hmm. i think almost all the other people we're going with are driving so i'm hoping the passes are clear for them we're crossing our fingers. They should we start want driving snow, today. But we want it to be nice and safe. I know they should go now. Go have yeah. a week vacation before yeah. the event. Just get there on time. Yeah, I'm super excited to go. Um, did you have a good holiday break? What was your favorite food thing you ate? I always like to ask Ooh, you. I think I didn't have a favorite food thing that I ate. I saw you make a nice Christmas dinner for your fam. I did. Yep. <laughs> Uh, you know i think it was pot roast or something sometimes it's hard to love your own food it's i always enjoy other people's way more i actually okay my guilty pleasure so um during thanksgiving i made a batch of the bob's red mill pie crust which is gluten-free yeah so i used half for my pumpkin pie and then i put the other half in the freezer and i pulled it out and I th- loosened it up, and I rolled it out, and I made apple hand pies. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, I had a bag of Granny Smith apples. I peeled them. Um, they were organic, and I pre-cooked them in um, coconut sugar and cinnamon and just a touch of cornstarch to thicken it up. And yeah. then I rolled out the little balls of hand pie. I put the fruit in there, sprinkled cinnamon on top, and I baked them, and then I ate three of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was your reward for all your hard work. Yeah. And then my daughter was like, Mom, you ate three of them? I'm like, yeah. I love that. And my husband's like, is that sort of like me making a pan of Rice Krispies and eating the whole thing? Yeah, it like, happens. Yeah, Sometimes you have is. your things that you're just like really into. Yeah. And I put the rest in the freezer. Cool. So. 
That sounds fun. That's probably my highlight. Yeah. <laughs> Apple hand pies, highlight of the winter break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What was your highlight? Uh, so we did, my family was all over and we did a crab boil for Christmas. And nice. so we do like, you know, the corn and potatoes and crab. Mm. And then I love those kinds of meals because we all just sit around the table and chat and, you know, you dump it all out on, on the table. And mm-hmm. it, so it's like one of those like long, engaging dinners where you just yeah. like sit and you talk where sometimes I feel like Thanksgiving and things like that everything just gets so like rushed like you're like okay get the food on the table and this is just like you boil everything it's super quick so you can hang out with everybody and then you just sit around and eat for a long time so it was really fun now when we have crab you know it's crab season right now we Mm -hmm. had crab twice during the break yeah um, we have some people in our family who crack the crab and make a pile and yes. then eat it. And then My we have some that. people that crack and eat. Yeah. I what, just you, get, what about I just your family? Crack and eat. My dad piles everything up. He doesn't take any bite until he's like yeah. ready to yeah. like eat all of it. And we had some friends over that had never been over before and they were a couple and one did that and one did not. So yeah. we talked about that kind of thing. I just yeah. break it open and shove it in my mouth. <laughs> Where does yeah. that tradition come from? Like I've never the heard of The seafood boil? Yeah. Well, I think... Originally, it's like something they do in like the South. So it's like they will do, um, you know, like a seafood boil and you put like Old Bay seasoning in the pot yeah. and you just boil oh, everything. And, and a lot of times, yeah, it's crawdads that they're doing. But here in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. we do it with crab. So, yeah. <laughs> We're adjusting Hannah's mic. And yeah. I, we we should introduce our guest, uh, yeah. shall we? We have a great guest <laughs> today. I'm trying to stay quiet, but I'm like, I want to talk about this thing. <laughs> I know. We want you to talk. So we're joined in the studio today with Hannah Kohlberg. Welcome, Hannah. Did hey. I say your name right? Yes, you did. Good. I forgot to ask. Usually I check before. <laughs> I do a practice round. Oh, you did So great. this is actually the first time that I've met Hannah in real life. Mm. It's the first time we've been in the same room together, but we know each other from the electronic world. Um, but I'm so glad you're here and I get to connect to you, with you in real life today. Likewise. Welcome. Yes. I think okay. we've been in a lot of rooms together. Probably. Definitely. Yeah, no. In the rooms. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I believe that. Probably more times than than most people that are in here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to have you here today. And if we like our listeners to be able to follow you on any kind of social media, so how would they best find you? Yeah, I am at my very long full name on Instagram <laughs> at Hannah Catherine Kohlberg. Um, That's right. Yeah, on Instagram. And it's just my personal account where you see all of me. That was yeah. one thing I've been stepping into as being just my whole self in nice. all that I do since kind of transitioning out of my bean queen identity because I used to be my Instagram and I had yeah. to change it. You don't want to be tight casted to a bean queen. Yeah. <laughs> now you get good. to just be you. <laughs> exactly. I Although like that. she is wearing a beanie today. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sarah's yes. been cracking me up with the joke <laughs> since I walked in the studio today. <laughs> I think beanie. it's the coffee. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, Hannah, you're not our typical food guest because usually we have people that are food entrepreneurs and they tell us about their business. And we do want to hear about the business that you did have. But we want to hear about all the things that you have to offer our listeners. So 
I was looking at your website, and so the services that you list that you offer to people, and I'm going to just read it because it's kind of straight from your website. So (laughs) it says you're a holistic brand builder and systems thinker, brand designer, community connections influencer, Mm -hmm. impassioned speaker, holistic health coach, and natural food expert. (laughs) She's also a video host, a social media manager, collateral creator, a brand packaging and designer, and a new food product launcher. Basically what I did was I just like, well, what was all the stuff that I did while I was helping build Better Bean? Oh, here they all are. I'll put them down here. And and really what I I like to do is sort of tap into the knowledge of all those experiences Mm -hmm. and then help businesses think about how they want to, you know, structure their organization or what resources, you know, do you want to manage your social media yourself? Do you want to work with somebody? Do you want to hire someone to do it? Do you want your husband to do it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure do. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to have helpers. Yeah. Yeah. So if our listeners were to come to you for a service, what would that be? Um, great question. Don't you um, think you'd interview them first and find out where they're at? Exactly. Yes, yeah. I'm really like meeting people where they're at. So, so I do do meet business advising with the Getting Your Recipe to Market program. And that fills me with so much joy because it's that real startup phase. Yeah, and yeah. I like to tap into, well, what's your ultimate dream? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with your business? How do you, what are you trying to get to? So then we can figure out how you're going to structure it along the way, right? Are you going to go the route? of national expansion and raising capital or are you going to you know focus on building maybe out your own home kitchen so you can you know structure a business that works for you and your goals um, and then for my outside consulting I've actually been doing a lot more like sales and marketing consulting so actually stepping into businesses and being an active partner that's what I did last year now I'm moving in more to supporting again businesses wherever they're at in mm-hmm. that that process of either launching or sourcing um i like to provide the appropriate connections and think through marketing strategy or what trade shows they should go to etc etc there's so many decisions (laughs) to make you um brought up the program at pcc and i don't think we've talked about it before i was just thinking we should have jill beeman come oh yeah i wrote it down can you um talk about it a little bit and what your role is with that program? Yes, um, definitely. And I'll say it's really a full circle experience for me because my dad went through the program when I was still in college. So the first time I met Sarah was when I was a junior Mm -hmm. in college at the basically end uh, at the end of it for getting right. your recipe you were to market. cooking beans in a frying pan. I was cooking beans in, in the a corner of the classroom at the Food Innovation <laughs> exactly, Center. Exactly, with my dad. Oh my gosh. What when year I was, was that? Uh, we like 2009. Okay, 10 yeah. years ago. Mm. Yep, exactly. Um, and he, so he, he launched Better Bean because of that program. Yeah. And um, I was studying food systems and just like, I want to change the food system. So I I was helping him, but then also getting involved in policy and blah, blah, blah. And I can tell the rest of that story if you want, but, you know, kind of went along this path with my dad. And when we sold Better Bean and I was kindly released from the business, Mm -hmm. I um, 
it's like, well, what, you know, what do I want to do? How do I want to give back? Do I want to start my own business or what? And I'm like, well, there's so many experiences I just had and so much I want to share. And that was a, a joy I had along building the business too, was mm-hmm. talking to these other entrepreneurs and just sharing the various things I had experienced, you know, oh yeah, that event was good or not, or here's how I run my demo program. Do you want to collaborate? What here? So, um, Jill and Betsy were looking for another advisor at that time. And I was just like, perfect. And it's been really wonderful working with them. So again, yeah, full, full circle back to advising and Betsy, who is one of the other business advisors is also, um, former, a former, yeah, former business owner and really, really wonderful person. Getting the recipe market (laughs) is a 12 week course, right? Yes. It's a 12 week course course. Um, at PCC through the SBDC, so it's a partnership and a partnership with the FIC, mm-hmm. and we teach and bring in all these guest speakers, basically the 101 of getting your product from that, I make something in my kitchen concept stage to launching it into market, so yeah. really around labeling and packaging and the process, the food branding. safety, branding, yeah, how to do run a demo, um, and then you make a presentation to new seasons. And that's actually the you know really huge benefit is you get to develop that relationship with new seasons. And mm-hmm. also Market of Choice does come in um, the class as well. But you get that on the ground feedback in that sort of like really friendly pitch experience where you're showing them where you're at with your product. And they will, will give you really valuable advice from the buyer store perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So people just need an idea for a product and they can come and basically work out all the details in that Well, class. I think mm-hmm. you have to have a product Be sort a of already. Yeah. And okay. In fact, a lot of the recruiting happens in advance of the class and they recommend that if you don't quite have your product figured out, maybe come to the Food Innovation Center first, first and yeah. get that worked out. Because mm-hmm. I think it would be much more effective for you with that investment if you kind of had a real tangible thing that you're trying to work on. It's That's very true, Sarah. I, I, there are definitely entrepreneurs who, like... Wallow pivot in the middle of the class or what yeah exactly work out. or if they're not a hundred percent ready they can't take it full advantage of yeah. of the course yeah. in that same way but um you know even there we do say one of the the good things that you can get out of the class is learning that no you do in fact do not want to start yeah, a food business <laughs> we consider that a success too yeah. we save people lots of money yeah from completely. not to. so you went through the sale of the business better bean yes we and did and that's one of the things that food entrepreneurs talk to me a lot about it's like well we want to can we just sell this idea and i'm like no you actually have to have a product and you have to put it in a store and you have to do the demos and you have to have the accounting and you have to have all the branding worked out and you probably need quite a bit of sales for anyone to really look at you and be interested in buying your company so tell us a little bit like three key points about what that was like selling your company yeah well it was hard emotionally it was very exciting but Mm -hmm. it's also you're you're basically letting go of your baby so you need to be ready for that and I will also say echo what you said of you know a lot of people come to me and say oh I'm worried about competition on this thing and honestly I I don't think I think competition is a lie ultimately and that 
there and there's a million ideas and it's do you have the passion behind that idea to actually execute it and build it and put in those really long hours to make it yeah. make it real and that's that's the work that people are looking to buy essentially right and i never ever buy into that worry about competition ever yeah no you can't um it it fuels the wrong decisions essentially if yeah. you if you are in that fear-based mindset um but it i mean we so we structured the business yeah. from the beginning i mean my dad really right i was a little bit like along for the ride mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my dad structured it that he wanted to sell the business because we took on he invested his capital. My my uncles invested in the business. His friends from the tech industry invested oh, okay. in the business. And, you know, then we had local investors. We had a VC firm at the end. Um, so it, that was the trajectory of the business and so really planned out. It was planned out. So you had you know, from lawyers the and all of these high powered thinkers involved in this business. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, the sale of the company was, you know, a relationship built by the VC firm renewal funds that mm-hmm. we were working with. And then Hain Celestial's incubator uh-huh. that they had, but now long, no longer have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was sort of, it was made without us in the room, which is, you know, an important, I, I'm, I'm really, I want to share the honest, you know, honest truth of what, what, what goes down because you can get very excited and there's some really, you know, there's the Justins and the Schmitz of the world and it's very exciting, but it doesn't always look like that. And so we need to think really carefully when we're building our businesses, how much equity investment do you want to take on and yeah what that means. i mean i was attached to better bean too because we did a lot of work with um your dad when he was first starting figuring out how do we get those beans into the container he wanted and how it would be refrigerated and how long it would last and so i got used to seeing you as like the bean queen on all the um instagram stuff and then suddenly this other person showed up and i actually i think i called you i'm like hannah you did i'm like hannah what are they doing what's happening they had a lady with like green fingernail polish and and it was like the wrong because i'd watched it for like the 10 years i was like Mm -hmm. this isn't quite right but yeah. I had to let go of it because I realized someone else owns it now. I think yeah. I so feel like that's the hardest thing when I've had anybody's that have sold their businesses is that, you know, sometimes they'll stay on because your dad is still working for Better Bean, right? Yes. Yeah. So He's a lot of times manager. that will happen where the person that start, started and built the business, the, the company is sold, but they'll stay on working in some capacity. So my friends that I've had that do that, everything kind of changes and then a lot of times they don't end up staying they'll stay for whatever the contract is for and then they will leave because it's so hard to be part of something that you built and then there's changes and it kind of breaks your Mm -hmm. world a little bit you know because you can't just be like no 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 we we do things this way you know because now there's a whole team of people making those decisions so it's a little challenging for people sometimes it is challenging i think that's not always something people think about right yeah and the so i worked with hayne for a year and a half after we sold and helped with that transition to all their new processes and systems and working with the various brand managers there and it was kind of a slow process of like death and die, you know, go, like death of that identity that mm-hmm. I had and where I had to shift from being this 
being queen to being a brand manager where in that last year and a half, I developed like <laughs> three new product lines and just had to like become a project oh, manager oh, oh. for those because that's what Hain wanted to do. And they, they yeah. had an ability to invest in new equipment and new products, which were amazing. And they're giving the company a lot of really awesome opportunities right now in mm-hmm. terms of growing our sales. Um, but you know, I wasn't, I wanted to share the gospel of the bean with the world yeah. and, you know, inspire people to change their diets and eat healthy and I couldn't do that anymore. That's not what was going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big change. Yeah. Well, I yeah. wanted to talk about what, so that was kind of where you had your start was in Better Bean, but now you've made this transition and Sarah and I love to have people on the show that are doing something meaningful for our community. Yes. And I really feel like you are, you have become this like, um, connector and leader among us food operators and yes. I want to talk about what led you to that like how did you get there and um, you know one of the things I want to want you to talk about is the group that you yes. started yeah. but let's, let's like Man, get I into get that so many part emails of it. every day I'm thinking I have to unjoin oh yeah it's <laughs> digest a digest mode digest mode what is digest mode I'll like go in and change it for you okay um, it's, so you won't get all the emails but you can get like a Either a weekly email with all oh, of them, okay. or with like um, the a subjects. daily with yeah. the subjects. TMI. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I need that information too. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I had this exact conversation yesterday with someone over like where you can get really sucked in, or but then you need to like take, take a, a step br- back. Take a step mm-hmm. back. Um, and what we're talking about is this Google group for packaged food makers and mm-hmm. beverage makers in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and honestly, what where I came to from that, it was not my own idea. It was a very great idea that someone had started in the Bay Area called CPGers, and it was another Google group where people were resourcing from each other. But a lot of the things that came up on that thread were equipment for sale in the Bay Area or an event in the Bay Area. And I was like, man, like... No I can't. Ac- yeah, no hope for us. Like we can't access that, so we need this here for us in our community. Yeah, and so just spent the last year all the events I was going to. I just collected everybody's business cards and then you know put you know and the, all the old emails I had too. Just put them all in a list and sent out the invite. And I've been many people? amazed at how it's just like flourished and grown. And now it's sort of like self-referencing it's like wildfire. Fire yeah. So me. I think there's like uh, over two hundred members now um and yeah and more people are joining every week from so so and so if somebody wants to join the group how do they join uh there's a link at the bottom of my email address but it's a i think maybe it's searchable i don't actually have the answer to that but it's you could go to bitly.com slash pnw pact that is the short link i created for it cool bitly.com slash pnw pact um, or they could just send you an email. Or right? they can send me an email. <laughs> yes, and I will add them and get them. Or someone, probably someone they know is in the group yeah. and then has also like the link themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just get added in. And we're it's a lot of a lot of conversations from, hey, what insurance provider do you use? That was mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Um, Liberty Mutual. To, what do you think about this? Um, this event to I have extra kitchen capacity. Do you want, doesn't someone want to be in here? Then we're having other like deeper conversations around um, that. One There's that a JP gift at, box or something right now. Gift box idea. Yeah. There's people are doing a collaborative social media following mm-hmm. and um, liking each other's pages started. There's a 
whole, I think it was initiated out of the group, I actually don't know, but a dry January giveaway that like five or six brands um, in that group are, are doing. And then, um, and then we're talking about deeper things like collective fulfillment and distribution. JP from Soma Kombucha um, drives a, a truck around to a lot of yoga studios and these places that some of our other distribution options like Beeline don't go to right now. Mm. And so ha- ta- having this conversation of how do we work together or share oh. these resources more. So that's really <laughs> That's good. what I love about it. it. So it's a really nice way for us to all kind of connect. And, and we do that sometimes at events, but it's a little bit hard to like get out of our booths or, um, you know, sometimes you have, you want to email somebody, but it's like, uh, I'd have to email like 10 different people to figure it out. So you can just throw it out there. People answer if they want. They don't have to if they don't want to. Um, you know, but I kind of wish this group exist when I started because I feel like it's really good for people that are like, I need to know where to buy my bags. I need to know yeah. where to buy bottles where I don't have to ship things. I need yeah. to know who to get insurance from, like all this stuff. And then you just immediately get like 10 different responses. And then yeah. you can kind of do your own research rather than just like Googling like Portland insurance people, you know. Do people want me to give my answers on there? Yes. Or not? I yeah, know they totally should. I almost pinged you yesterday being like, Sarah, answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I almost I'm like, always I like, don't want to be like the boss of everything. Something comes so. up and I'm like, why isn't Sarah Masoni saying anything? Like, like, it'll be like, where do you get your nutrition facts? And I'm like, come on. It's from Sarah. Uh, Everyone does. You did, did send a note you on did. that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. There was another one that I was just like, oh, Sarah would have the right answer for this. Yeah. yeah so I was a little reticent. I was like, Am I, wait, I'm part of this, but I didn't know if I should be like telling everyone what I think. So maybe I should. I'll change. I think you should. Get your voice out there. They need to hear it. Okay. (laughs) We're going to take a quick commercial break. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation new economic opportunities, and new experiences because food brings people together. And we're back. Yeah. So um, I just want to encourage people again to join the group. If you're, if you're a local food maker, I think it's really beneficial. I think it's so awesome that Hannah has organized this. Yes. And there's a lot of different it's people epic, in actually. it. Yeah, it's very, very helpful. And one thing that mm-hmm. I've used it for that I was going to mention, because I want other food makers out there that are small to know that this is something that they can do. But um, when I attended the Farmer's Market Conference a couple years ago in San Diego, they there was a person there that was talking about ingredient sourcing and that when you're a small business, sometimes that's very hard. And of course, that's where all your money goes, especially if you're buying like good organic produce. Yeah. Um, but what she recommended, which has totally changed the way that I do things, was that you um, order with another small business owner mm. so that you save money. Mm. And it since I started doing that, that was a couple of years ago, it really has changed, um, you know, how I do things. But so there's so many hot sauce makers here in town that use some of the same spices or dried spices or produce. And so if I order, you know, a hundred pounds of tomatoes, say I get a better price and then I'll give them part of it or I'll order, you know, some dried Thai chili peppers or something and they will use them as well so I can order 25 pounds of dried peppers instead of ordering five and I'll save like $40 a pound which is a big deal there was a Thai chili question on that 
Yeah, that I yeah. answered her. We're going to yeah. order together. That was okay. one of I the samples like, that I wanted to, to say. Answer. We're meeting up next week, but it's like a good it's a good resource for us to bring all of our yeah. costs down together because we're we are ordering a lot of the same stuff, and it makes sense to be able to do that. But we don't always have the money to buy everything all at once in big quantities. You know, yeah. actually, I want to just give you a kudos because EcoTrust tried to do this. Remember? Yeah, and it failed. And it had a lot of funding. And this is just for fun. Yeah. Well, you, did, you just <laughs> did, did it. it. Took the Volunteer D away. It's just for I would take, like, you know, up and I, okay, like, I got to go through all these cards and email people now. Or went to the Eugene Food up food Startup Weekend and ended up spending, like, a lot of time just, like, emailing makers. Like, join the group. It's really great. Um, but thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, sure. I'm just, it was yeah, I right really, timing. I think it's so great that you've done it. And I know it took your hard work time to get all of that in there but I think it's really helping all of us out so thank mm-hmm. you for yeah. starting that, it I mean that's what I, you know I do consulting but my heart is very much in the community building space and what you're talking about with collective sourcing mm-hmm. I'm very interested in that like I hope we really evolve into those next level so that we can source more from regional farmers yeah. and and you know, do it so it's win, win, win along the supply chain. So we are, in terms, you know, I know you guys are really great at announcing events. We are having a founder farm dinner that Serafina Palandek of A Boring Life and formerly Hip Chick Farms is hosting at her farm out in Boring. And we're going to have a conversation of what do we want this group to evolve into? And is there... Yeah, certain little cohorts of people who can get together on sourcing peppers yeah. or want to work on distribution together mm-hmm. or or what else. And um, in some of the conversations I've had recently, it is really around those like very real, tangible things that mm-hmm. we want to solve for right now. Like there's some really big picture things around like, you know, business philosophy and stuff like that. But what what the joy of this group is and the, why it's so amazing is it's very simple and it's very like tangible and tactile. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. I like it. When, and when is the dinner again? Uh, February, February 8th. Do you have and to buy a ticket? No, it's but you need to bring a potluck item. Yeah. Oh, it's a potluck. <laughs> it's yeah. a potluck. Out at the farm in yeah. Boring. You yeah. know, that's the area I grew up in. <gasps> what? Yeah. So every time there's something, I'm like, yep, going. <laughs> oh my goodness. I grew up in Welch's, which is like Mount Hood, but then yeah. you come into school in Sandy, and then people come from Boring too. So you yeah. spend a lot of time in that area because that's where all your buddies are. So that's oh cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I well, you'll have to. I'm in town. Yeah, we should yeah. go. Please come. Maybe I should go. I think so. We <laughs> need you there. You probably will know most of the people there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's possible. I'm sure they've gone through I, the... You know, I wanted to change the subject because you're working with another company that also has a food that has a lot of sulfur in it. And it's sauerkraut. Holy crap. <laughs> sulfur. <laughs> Went from beans to sauerkraut. <laughs> really good foods for your yeah. gut. Depending on where your gut is at, actually. <laughs> so tell us the benefits um, of holy kraut. Um, well, holy kraut is a... I, honestly, I'm so grateful to work with Sash, Sunday the founder, and um, the... And Oli Kraut because it's such a values-based business, and it's one that's honestly a little opposite of how Better Bean really grew. We grew, you know, quickly 
in a way. My dad wouldn't say that, but you know, we went to like national growth and started really right around the same time as Sasha. Sasha's been in business for 11 years mm. and grew a very intentional, regionally based business, sourcing from regional um, cabbage growers with the intention of growing the organic food system and um, is a you know, really strong community member in the Olympia area, part of the Olympia farmers market. And so the benefits of sauerkraut are that you're extending this the season essentially. So preserving yeah. this cabbage, but then it's a fermented food that helps infuse your gut with all those good little probiotic guys that help us with um, immunity and overall health mm -hmm. and being able to digest our foods yeah. and simulate different nutrients. And it's really healing. Uh, actually, you know, because it is like some some people who are have really sensitive impacted guts actually can't eat sauerkraut, but they just even drink the brine. And that's yeah. like a really good starting place. Um, I will say the brine saved my life one night. I was driving back from Olympia late at night and I was just tired. I think I had done like the veg fest up in Seattle mm. and um, I drank a whole bottle of the brine and it has so many B vitamins that it, it just woke, you up. It woke yeah. me up and gave me so much energy. And mm. we used to safe. do the farmer's <laughs> market with them. Um, the They don't have it anymore, but the Pioneer Square one. And so, you know, that market it wasn't my favorite <laughs> it, was it wasn't crazy anyone's market. favorite which is why they closed it yeah. but um, but I was next to them and so they, they I don't know if they do it anymore but they used to do like the brine shots at the market oh. and so you could get brine shots and it would it would like make me get through the market because I would be like oh, I don't want to be here everybody's cash boxes were always stolen it was Ew. always it was like I called oh, it the den no. of thieves like it was just not a good place for a market yeah. and so I would just like do brine Brine shots, and I would be like, I can do this. I will live on no. another day and get through this market. Mm -hmm. Your brain feels better with yeah, all the it really B does. vitamins going around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it honestly, working with Olicrat also really influenced a lot of my thinking right now um, around this group and why, and you know, my experience with Better Bean. Basically, we you know we are we both Olicrat and Better Bean are B Corps benefit corporation businesses mm -hmm. and have you know spent a lot of work to actually get that certification and lay the groundwork and it's very hard for business food businesses to access b corp because of a lot of the pra practices they're looking for cost yeah. money um but seeing those two different tra trajectories of those businesses and how Better Bean, I feel like, got really sucked up into the business-as-usual economy because we raised capital. Mm. And Oli Kraut has done very thoughtful capital raising and structured their deals in a very different way where they control. get dividends yeah, yeah, to stay in control and really, you know, really thoughtful. I mean, we were we also raised from impact investors at Better Bean, but um, at Sasha's, you know, I think even taking that to the next level. But... Also with their business, because there's so many amazing sauerkraut makers, she sort of looked like and brought me on to actually grow outside of the region. And it's made me think like, well, what are we doing here? Right. Because like I think I honestly think the national expansion national model is broken. Like it doesn't work anymore. And it was really, <clears throat> really, really hard at Better Bean <clears throat> to grow into other other places, like we went and did this whole tour in North Carolina for, you know, getting into that region of Whole Foods and then now, you know, are no longer in that market because it was so far away and we Too were so away. disconnected mm. and 
and we have a product that requires a lot of education. So it was, you know, it wasn't a popcorn. It wasn't a flavored popcorn that could be shipped all over the country. It was yeah. these fresh beans in the dip section that didn't didn't have much enough, you know, sodium like a dip. So people would taste it and they're like, this isn't a dip. And then, but they weren't using it in like burritos um, unless there was that education involved. And so it was, yeah. a, it was huge. So I, I just, I'm just really, not, I just, it was so much to do that national expansion um, business plan and, you know, better being still on that path in a way. But I'm like, how do we as a community really support our regional makers to be successful at the regional level? Mm-hmm. And so how do we develop, you know, more community that, you know, is really consciously purchasing these products? You know, I look at myself in that own way of like, whoa, I'm like sale hopping over here at Grocery Outlet. Like, who owns this company? Who, where are they sourcing from? Um, or, you know, or in how we actually support each other, right? So we don't all maybe have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on demo programs, but maybe we could split demos. So again, you know, that that group really has come out of like these experiences working with these other businesses so back, solving for those yeah, problems. <laughs> back in the probably the eighties. Hey. When I was first starting the food business, there was a lot of um stuff going on in the pickle industry. Oh, so yeah. pickle and sauerkraut, those are had been traditional production uh, local and regional, which I think is now happening. And we had a company out in Scappoose and also here in Portland. Uh, I think it was called Seinfeld's Pickles, Steinfeld. And um, they sold to a major company in the Midwest. Um, They pulled all the pickle and sauerkraut production out. Um, All the cabbage and cucumber Mm. growers here in the Northwest basically had to figure out different crops. There was a large um, sauerkraut manufacturer in Washington. They sold out. Um, Same story. Everything collapsed. We had no local pickles. Everyone was pissed that you could buy a gallon of pickles at Walmart for like $4 or something. I mean, it made national news. Mm -hmm. And now we have a lot of local and regional sauerkraut and pickles again. Yeah, and so the way business goes is that you start a business <clears throat> and the business is for sale typically. And so when it gets to a certain size, then it becomes something that's valuable to a larger company. Mm-hmm. And that's the piece I think that we need to think about. Like, is it okay to just stay here and be that special local regional company? Well, I think that's what I like too, Hannah, about your background is that you are really into food systems and you've been part of a lot of different boards. And um, the, I know that you have you know, expertise in that area. And I think that we do have a, a good supportive food system here at the small local level through like the farmer's market and the local stores. And not every state and city has that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're really lucky, yes. but I'm sure there's a lot of things that could change. Is there anything that you see that you think could change locally? Uh, many things. Um, <laughs> I, I want, I mean, I want it at scale mm-hmm. essentially, and I would like to see it more accessible to people. I think about like the food carts and the cash and carries of the world and how a lot of both of the food carts and the restaurants and even, you know, Better Bean would go to cash and carry for that, like, urgent last minute 
thing that we didn't act we didn't have enough of or mm-hmm. or getting something actually you know sourcing from there um how could we transform that to be from local farmers I'm, some of it is for sure for yeah, sure but, but is it you know grown without pesticides mm-hmm. and think you know the on that kind of almost like next level um and I, you know, more of like a thoughtful integrated supply chain. I think everything's sort of happening, but not everyone's communicating with mm. each other about mm-hmm. it. And so I think about how do we bring everyone together in in a you know a round table or a, a kind of shared mission, so everyone knows we're really we're really working together and we're not working against each other. Um, the thing I want to talk to about ownership that I would really encourage you guys to bring someone from OGC on board and talk about their um, new ownership, steward ownership model. But I I feel like that should be the future or could be the future for a lot of our, mm-hmm. our local businesses. But essentially, they are now owned by a trust, sort of similar to a land trust, but mm-hmm. it's for a business. So it's mission driven, but they can still raise capital and raise funds. Um, and their trajectory was going from a farmer co-op to an employee-owned ESOP to now the stewardship, stewardship trust model. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating and, and an opportunity, again, for us to kind of own our businesses locally and help, help them stay true to mission and not learn from our past and yeah. learn from what has happened. I think, you know, those examples you gave are, um, you know, kind of a former era, but that exact same story just happened with farmhouse culture, too. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, it they're moved all their production. I don't actually think they've sold yet, but they just moved all their production to the Midwest and they're no longer in Northern California where they were. Didn't they know, have an office here in Clackamas or was that a different group? I don't know. I, th- I can't. Somebody I can't had a, that. had a, pl- they're the ones who have the corn chips with uh, sauerkraut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, and that's just, and the, the founder, you know, very authentic pres- preserver, like really wants to share these recipes and it kind of just gets sucked up into this, this is how you do business thing. And yeah. so it's like, we got to like, we got to challenge those norms. Like, change no, you don't actually like the whole thing of like, how do you reduce cogs as much as possible? Yeah. Get to, the price down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like, that, wait, we I need think a that's 80% the thing about being um, just, a, I mean, I'm a small business owner that's had a business for eight years. So everyone always is like, what's your plan? When are you going to get bigger? You know, and it's always very hard to explain to people, this is exactly how I want to do it. I want to provide good food to people that's sourced locally. I want people to come to me like they would a butcher. Like I want I want to be the person they come to because they want to eat something seasonally and, and fresh and delicious, you know? And that is very hard for people to wrap their brain around. Yeah. Because they, they're just like, no, you have to you have to Shark Tank. Blow yeah. Go on Shark Tank, <laughs> blow things up, get huge, sell it. And I'm like, no, this is like this is my family business that I want to have, that I want to keep, that I want to I want to make things in give them to people and it's very hard for people to wrap their brain around that and you brought up one thing about um about sourcing and uh, I was going to add so we don't have a place that you can just go and get something quickly but I do have a tip for our makers out there and that is that if you talk to your local co-op a lot of times like Foodfront for example what they did for me when I was smaller and I you know sometimes for us uh, um, you know you can't buy let's say 50 gallons of 
vinegar or something like that. But the co-ops will let you order from them and you can pay 10%. So you're not paying the retail price that everybody else would because you're ordering like a case of organic distilled vinegar. And you can get it from them that day. So if you do run out of something, rather than going to cash and carry and you're not sure what is in all of that stuff, you can go to the co-op. And it's just, it's usually in the same area of where you would go anyways. But you just call the buyer that if you're already in the co-op and you just say, hey, can I get a case of this? And they will do that for you. bring it in for you. Yeah, so it's a good um, way to get something that maybe you didn't get enough of and you need to quickly get. They'll let you buy a case from them. Winco will do that also. And Winco's a local company. Yeah, Yeah. employee-owned. So Mm -hmm. just keep that in mind if you... If you're a local maker, that's and awesome. You need to get yeah, something. I know Oli Kraut actually has done a lot of that yeah. as well. It's nice. There. I mean, and you don't if you don't know that you don't think about it. You don't think that you think you have to go buy it off the shelf, and then it's very expensive. Um, yeah. But you need you can still get those lower costs if you just call them up and say, "Hey, can I buy a case?" That's so rad. Yeah, I'm really impressed with how you've structured your business, and I will say again, like you know, I, with Better Bean, we were we sourced. Regionally, our bean growers were in Idaho and Eastern Washington, and still primarily are the we work with. Um, oh goodness, I'm forgetting their name, but um, in Eastern Central Bean in Eastern Washington, and they've been an amazing partner. But something that was really interesting, again, within this whole like national industry, is because we were committed to regional sourcing for our beans. They were not grown organically. They're a Food Alliance certified crop, but um, a lot of consumers would turn their nose up at our product because it didn't have the organic certification. And so in the last year I was at Better Bean, we launched an organic product because that's sort of, you know, that's where the trends are. And Mm -hmm. that's how you become successful at Whole Foods in um, most cases. But those beans ended up having to come from Central America. And, you know, um, I didn't do the, the sourcing on that, so I can't speak to that whole supply chain, but hopefully it's a decent one overall and, you know, whatever. But um, there's a lot. It, it, we as consumers need to be a little less like, you know, just like blinders, blinders on only organic. But then also like, look, you know, look at like it's just it's just I a think- really mixed bag when you're building your business. And I, I also noticed I was like, OK, as we grow, we're going to be able to scale up our impact and do more local sourcing. And it kind of actually went the opposite direction, mm-hmm. because, again, those same influences of like, this is how you do business. I'm an expert came in and influenced us and um and that's what I see. I was just like, stay true to our you, you yeah. know, stay true to like what you know and kind of, you know, take in maybe just check in with whatever the experts telling you. you know? Stay on your path. Don't get yeah. out in the trees. I yeah. think local is more powerful for small business, especially if you're selling into the local than organic. Mm-hmm. And organic seems to be an important thing when you uh, advance your distribution out of the region. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And and I mean, but it gets tricky. I mean, I think about organic certification all the time because we source from organic farms. But there's a discount for that, you know, y- well, through we, the Department of Ag, you can get seven or fifty dollars back. Oh, wow. so really? maybe you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. But it, it's hard to translate that outside of me telling people at the market like, oh, yeah, all of our peppers for this sauce came from um you know, Groundwork Organics Farm right right next to me. So I can do that when I'm 
standing there selling stuff at the market, but I can't do that in a store. And so people don't really always get it. Peppers you, are one of the hardest things to source organically. You can put it in your ingredient statement. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. list it as an organic ingredient. You just can't make the claim on the front until you're certified. Oh, that's good to know, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and always if anyone's tip, re- researching organic, we have two um, bodies here in the state that can help you. Actually, Department of Agriculture does organic certifications. And then Oregon Tilth will do. And if you go on the Tilth website, actually, they have this printable, downloadable um, handbook that you can print. And you can read up all about it. Yeah. Good tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that telling the story, though, is really difficult. And um, we had on our, you know, ingredient panel for a long time food alliance certified beans da, 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 and then like asterisks like sourced from you yeah. know it still didn't like really get the message across to end consumers and i was speaking with someone at new seasons recently too and they said that's there's they have the same problem with telling the story of like so you know we're reinvesting in our local community and these are local producers sourcing locally like that's why you buy things mm-hmm. here that's why it's so important and so if there's any storytelling experts out there in the world i think they were still in need of a yeah. a solution here or we go back to those you know human more of that human connection of like telling the story here yeah. now to people and but i don't know how do you hold space for both is hard. Yeah, it is. I think locally, though, people can hear those stories if they come to the farmer's market, because I think I hate to see the trend of people only ordering from online and things like that. Like, I want people to come face to face and see all of us working hard at the markets. And Hannah, we are like out of time. Time went by way too fast. Do you have any (laughs) final things you would like to say? It can either be advice for our local people or it can be any events you want to promote whatever you want you got the you've got the floor for a couple minutes oh my um honestly nothing major is coming to mind just really really looking to build with people like and that's what i want to step into in the next year so if you're interested in building businesses more collectively and want to think about that definitely reach out to me um i'm really interested in catalyzing a few different projects and so looking around how to find solutions for those things in terms of like small-scale co-packing is a a project on the radar with Chris Bailey at the Portland Mercado um, and some other really interesting things of how we can support a more you know more more diverse founders um, to be successful because I really do think like if you're not if you don't have the same like privileges and access to capital you're the the growth trajectory for your business is like way there's so many more barriers um and I can give you a whole like analysis of better bean and all of like the privileges involved in in setting up our business I mean there's just like you know it's really immense um and so how do we make how do we make space for more of these amazing founders that are just getting going that are a lot of women, immigrants, people of color, and allow them to share their stories and and have vibrant businesses? And um, so, yeah, I'm looking to to really like collectively solve for some of those problems and working with some really amazing people who are thinking about that. 
right now. I love that. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see what you do in yeah. this next year. I'm so We're excited have to have you back. 2020. Yeah. And I appreciate everything that you're doing for all of us in the maker community. Yeah, so thank good job, you. Man. And I'm thanks proud for of you. being our guest. Yeah. Uh, we record Masonia Marshall inside of Ned Space. Tune in live every Friday at 9 to hear us. And you can also download on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes. Thank you to audio, our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea, if you want to be on a, on the show, submit a press release to startupradionetwork.com. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Have bye. a good one. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.